Dale Radio is sponsored by fear. Feel like if you don't do something, it'll all collapse around you? Feel like if you do actually do that thing that you won't be good enough or won't measure up? Well, that's fear. 100% free, 100% effective. Fear. Let it drive you. Previously on Dale Radio. You grew up in Southern California? I did. I grew up in L.A. And uh, you also grew up within the Jehovah's Witness? I Yes, I can't believe you brought that up. Yes, I was a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I'm sorry. For are, years. Are you in a Jehovah's Witness protection program? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Well, hello. It's me, Dale. And this is my life as it happens week after week after week. (laughs) I welcome you with soothing tones to join me on my journey as you listen to another episode of Dale Radio, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And uh, if you if you press your ear uh, to your to your headphones there, and uh, if you if you tune in through the depression and the tears, you might just be able to hear a trash truck idling in the distance. And I can tell you, there is a lone gull sailing silently overhead. And you you might just you might just notice the very the tiny, tiny noises of an icicle forming on a shipping container. It's Brooklyn in winter. Beautiful, awful, and inescapable. And uh, if you are listening to this program from New York, I'm going to assume that you have a cold. <laughs> because everyone here has it. I'm beginning to think we should rename it Flu York. <laughs> oh, it's fun to make light of deadly diseases, isn't it? Just you and I laughing at the world. Well, we have to. We have to, folks. We're in it together. I was just reading today that the poles in the subway contain as much microbial biodiversity as the rainforest. Well, sometimes it does feel like a rainforest down there, the worst kind of rainforest, (laughs) like you'd want to slash and burn that thing if you could, couldn't you? (laughs) Isn't that something, though? Just thriving right there. On the pole, the pole you sometimes touch with your bare hands, then absent-mindedly place that hand on your face. It's like you're a giant pressing your palm onto a tiny village where they still value their elders and live in communal huts and forage for psychotropic nuts, and you just crush them all, wiping out multiple generations, and then you smear it all over your chin or across the screen of your smartphone. I tell you, if you run a glove business, those poles would be a good place to put some ads, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. Where else are those things taking root? But imagine if you could shrink down there, like the old Fantastic Four comic heroes. They used to get into that space car and visit Subatomica, and that never went well. What would you see if you had a space car? Well, number one, I wouldn't be taking a space car to the subway. I, I said, if I have a space car, I don't need to take You understand. I'd be heading to Miami or Puerto Vallarta. They never used to do science to relax, those four, always getting into scrapes and trouble. But uh, uh, they should use science to relax because science is so relaxing. But let's look past that for a moment. I bet, I bet if you and your band of misfits uh, uh, there, doused in gamma rays from beyond the stars, were to reduce yourselves and take a walk on the pole. 
Well, you'd probably discover the whole world down there. Wouldn't it be something to explore? I know one thing you'd find. You'd find a tiny microbial podcaster. But good luck getting into the new and noteworthy section on iTunes, brother. (laughs) It's impossible. Tiny little microphone interviewing other microbes who also have podcasts, and he or she or Z. It's just like, oh, there's so many podcasts on this poll. Why even bother? What am I really contributing? Then a dear friend mutates and becomes resistance, uh, resistant to jealousy or ego, and he just can't relate to them anymore. And All that's left is the one slow microbe they went to college with, and he's just sort of uh, up there, high on the pole, gnawing on a mitten fiber, drooling on a wool molecule. And that, incidentally, is a great uh, pre-show warm-up. There's kind of a mouth exercise for the theater or uh, doing any kind of recording. Drooling on a wool molecule. Drooling on a wool molecule. Drooling on a... I could be in catch, is what I'm saying. I have a lot of opportunities that I'm not pursuing. But um, I I do that so that I can be here with you. But I I do need... uh, I, I read a story... Uh, like that, and they say that most of what they found, uh, 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 you know, this story about the, the, there being all this light just teeming with life down there, and uh, oh, some part of the uh, data that they ex- that they examined from the DNA, they can't match it with anything on Earth. So you understand what that means? We, in full collaboration with the MTA, are creating life. Ladies and gentlemen, between this and the subway cars we dump into the ocean outside of Delaware to restore the marine habitat, we're worth the gods to a great many animals and living things. I wonder how the microbes in those old cars uh, do when they're exposed to salt water. That wasn't what, that's not how they came to be, but now here they are. Folks, this is a recipe for some weird stuff in a million years. And that's why I want to have my organs frozen and my testes zipped into a plastic bag and my bald spot preserved in a basement in the desert because I want to be around to see what really goes down. <laughs> I mean, so obviously, uh, we're going to be focused on travel on this episode. And uh, I'm so glad to be sharing some thoughts on the subject. Travel to inner space, outer space, around her space, and of course, through time itself. I did a little traveling myself, as you know, uh, to my old stomping grounds of San Francisco. And no microbial pole colonies out there. <laughs> They're all out at a Zen retreat or shopping for bulk foods and trying to figure out where Google Glass went wrong. If you listened to the last episode, and by all means, please do. I'll, you know what? You do that, I'll wait. I'm going to let them listen. Not right now. I know, it was fun. I tell you. I tell you, I snuck out for my work duties. I went to Barney's part of the time. Well, they're the only ones who had my deodorant. No, the other one gave me um, a rash there. And they also had the uh, trial sizes. The little, I love them. They're just so small. <laughs> the bags under my eyes never look. Oh, uh, hold on. Oh, what did I say? It was a great episode, wasn't it? We had so much fun. Burgers, sex work, bathroom, polyamory, Jehovah's Witness. It was all in there. Everything I love about San Francisco. I really enjoy hearing about people who find public restrooms so exciting as a location for sexual deviancy. (laughs) I mean, I've been to a lot of restaurants on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and not once have I been stirred to arousal (laughs) In there, just fellows with trucker hats trying to not make eye contact. In fact, I think there is a bar in San Francisco that's exactly like that. 
rest stop would uh, do well in the Castro, wouldn't it? Anyway, I always learn something while I'm out there, and it was terrific to do a show for so many people and so many friends. I mean, if you put in 10,000 hours, do they count if they're not in front of anyone? Oh, well, sobering thought. <laughs> we were really in sync, that audience, and I just vibing on each other, you know, like real give and take, like we were at a rave in an Oakland warehouse in 1999, I with my glow stick of comedy, and they with their pacifiers full of laughter and maybe ecstasy. But listen, whatever it takes, as I've sketched, what a time making love with that audience. And there by my side, also making love in her own way, well, actually she was kind of right behind me and sort of to, to, to my right there, was my ex-wife, Ginny Lovethorne. And gosh, you know, so many of you have written in, and you're so kind to do that, by the way. Thank you. Uh, you wrote in and said, Dale, Dale, and there was a real urgency to some of your letters, hastily scrawled on the backs of napkins and fast food bags. I guess a lot of you are writing from places of tremendous sadness. And you asked me, how was how was it to be back together with Ginny after all this time? And, uh, well, fans... Uh, Fans who should probably go a little easy on the Wendy's. <laughs> but uh, fans of mine, let me tell you, it was as good as a number six spicy chicken, just lettuce, sandwich only, no meal, and a Dr. Pepper. It's my favorite order at Wendy's and one of my favorite things to digest. And I have been just living full on the emotional calories of performing with Ginny again. It had been ten years since a public performance of any kind. We had you know, run into each other. Well, I had planned some of those encounters, but she was often unaware. And uh, we'd just seen each other briefly, mostly through passing bus windows. But to have her on stage with me, stunning in her peach chiffon outfit that still hugs all the right curves in all the right places, mostly around her neck and underarms, and to hear her magnificent voice pour forth with so many theories about the atmosphere in the room and her powerful declarations about love and some kind of furniture sale. Well, I'm not, I wasn't completely listening <laughs> when she spoke. I never knew. <laughs> but I know she connected in a deep, almost spiritual way with the audience. And you could tell if you were in the room, that spotlight is just like air to her, that dry, hot Arizona air that we used to have to endure when we lived out there, out that way. She just breathes it in, in and out, in and out, in and out, dust and all, and you could almost sense the electricity moving through her. The tiniest little outer parts of her hair were vibrating the way, the way a caterpillar senses danger through the fine bristles clustered around its mouth. The way a porcupine will flare its quills when a predator is near, satisfied that it can win the battle with its talent alone. That's what it's like to be on stage and be someone of her immense talent. It's to be so sure of yourself as to ward off any danger of not having a great night, and she did. It was fantastic. And who knew she had so much familiarity with the pornography industry? <laughs> I mean, we all get into hobbies in our old age, don't we? So it was great. And I hope that she continues to, to do more, whether we ever do something again. It was revealing, uh, wasn't If you listen to it, you heard her say that, unfortunately, she and her new husband, Brian, 
Still not fond of that word. Sticks in the back of your throat like an old candy sliver. Uh, Brian, but uh, they're unable, as it turns out, to have uh, children. And uh, seeing as how not having children was a major, if not the only, uh, factor in us breaking up, well, it's something, isn't it? (laughs) And there she is with her uh, pediatric accounting or something again half listening to what she said, uh, you know, uh, and, and here I am doing uh, what we both loved, and I have a family of my own of sorts with my niece Katrina and baby Pepsi, not as much a baby anymore, but still, uh, I'm a caretaker, and I never wanted to be one, and she takes Brian to Bell Choir, so interesting how life turns out, I guess, <laughs> is my point. Speaking of Katrina, uh, she has the cold that everyone has, and it is a symphony of sounds in there. She's the Esapekasalanin of sniffles, hacks, and wheezing in there. I quarantined her to her bedroom, and I wash down the doorknobs every night. I can't get this thing. I have shows to do, people to talk to, talented individuals who I need to shake their hands to make them feel comfortable when I invade their apartments and talk about uh, them and what they do. But uh, I'm a strong mind. Now, I am no scientist like much of the Republican Party, but also like them, I believe what I want to believe. And I believe that you can defeat a cold through mind power alone. So if I start to feel a cold, say, I, I, you see, I just say, I, I, I cast thee out, viral invader. You shall not take me. And I feel great. Now, it's not the only thing I do. I'll be honest. I also take these Chinese herbs because I'm hooked on them. I discovered them in San Francisco. Maybe you heard me talk about them. But I swear by it. I went out to get Katrina some and Listen, she uh, she believes in different tactics when it comes to fighting a cold. She buys the store brand cold medicine, Rite Aid brand Tylenol cold. I'm sorry, but you know what they do there. There's someone in the back room is trying to guess as to what's in Tylenol cold, and they cobble something together and probably press it in their hand, squeeze it into a little pill shape, and they put it in a less attractive package, and they sell it for a dollar less. Well, that's not how humanity wins, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a purist. I like labels. Now, you call me shallow. Just don't call me after 1030 because by then I've had too much of my Scottish herbs and have passed out on the couch. But truly, I'm a brand man, you see. I think about those little microbes living on that subway pole. They found a way to live on a subway pole. They're not going to fall for the best CVS pharmaceutical interns have to offer. Get the good stuff. I'll give you a dollar. I will also travel to Chinatown on the D train in a snowstorm and buy you loquat syrup. But you have to take it. See, if I do that, if I go to the trouble, truthfully, I like going down there. Chinatown in a snowstorm is magical. It is umbrellas, colorful fruits, strange smells, and the very real danger of slipping on ice and right into an exotic eel tank. I loved being in this herb store, though, folks. It's totally you know, modern, and there's always a fellow with a bunch of dried mushrooms and spices and gnarled roots being sorted and chopped and measured and weighed, and a younger person with a smile is always very eager to help you, and there's lots of hair dyes and foot creams, and my feet have never felt more luxurious, and my bald spot is a lovely shade of auburn, just in time for Valentine's Day. It's just like the old Chinese proverb, you never hear a redhead sneak up on you. Now, that's loosely translated. Of course, I like to do a book of loose translations. Just be a kind of approximation of everyday phrases that would come in handy when going places or meeting new people. Anyhow, I found the syrup, 
And I was in line behind a woman with a strong skin, what I mean, real taut, taut, a firm epidermal layer there, and she was toting one of those uh, rolly bags, you know, luggage things with the handles, and wearing Lululemon, uh, I guess, pants. Is that what we're calling them? Is that because uh, tights, yoga trousers? That can't be far off, can it? Men wearing trousers from the office to the Bikram studio. I got to get back into hot yoga. I like to do a sriracha rinse and then go into the steamy room above an art supply store. Just get my stretch on. <laughs> anyway, uh, this gal was an instructor of some kind, I guess, so definitely a participant in the mystic arts. And goddess knows what was in that luggage she had. Maybe a client. Imagine there's somebody all folded up in there. <laughs> Depends on what they're being treated for, I guess. Maybe that could help. Got a bad back or something? We'll get in the box. I'll wheel you around Chinatown in the snow. Anyhow, it's all just so ancient and herby, and yeah, I loved it. I got my syrup, and uh, I'm, I'm drinking a little bit of it now. It's fantastic. And no cold. So, <laughs> Katrina, cold. Me, no cold. Who's right? I am. I'm right. Mm. Oh, that stuff. Well, that's good. You can taste the ages. You know, it's like you're drinking time. It's really not the spice, but the, you know, the, the thing, the concept. I wonder if the subway microbes call their land Poland. <laughs> that just came to me. <laughs> oh, having a cold, though, that's a good time to settle into the bed or the couch, depending on the capabilities of your mobile device and the strength of your Wi-Fi, and catch up on some movie watching, isn't it? you gotta, you got to say, well, okay, this is not so bad. And, uh, I'm excited, speaking of movies, for this Magic Mike XXL movie. Finally, a movie in my size. <laughs> I'd feel better seeing it, though, if they called it Magic Mike Husky size. But that ship has sailed, hasn't it? <laughs> I hope the whole thing takes place in the back room of a big and tall shop. Now, I've never seen the original Ma Magic Mike. Is this a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids thing, but in reverse and with strippers? <laughs> I'm going to release a Magic Dale XXL, and it's just going to be me trying to find the perfect pair of pants at TJ Maxx. And then the camera will pull back and pull back. You see the outside of the store, and then the you know the shopping complex, and then the whole, then the the state and the country, and you just keep pulling back until you realize the entire thing, the whole scene took place in the eye of a bunny. And it blinks, and then roll credits. I have ideas, people, ideas about entertainment and the universe and magic. J just send me a, a direct message, and then let's let's get into some of that. I, have me over. That would be fun. Just have a, a bowl of peanuts. I like to eat them with a the shell. I'll put the shell on. You don't have to worry about cleaning up. I'll eat it. I like foods that you could eat the wrappers of. There was a time you could eat Trident. Just You don't have to unwrap it. Just put it in your mouth. It'll dissolve. I'm in favor of us eating more of wrappers and containers. Eat the bag that the chips came in. Why not? It's got all the flavors, all the dust from the Dorito. Cool Ranch is right there, the oils, the greases. It's like a nice bread, like a bread bowl. I like containers you can eat. People say it would be great to time travel to a time before colds and flus and that sort of thing, though we've always had them, haven't we? Early colds probably complained about catching a human. Oh, I got one of those hairy things again. <laughs> There's no cure. Eat some primordial soup. 
Well, I'm sticking to my time here. I don't want anything to do with the olden days or days when we lived in caves. I don't want to be minding my own business trying to make a microphone out of two river rocks and suddenly be caught by some scaled flying megafauna. Taken back to a giant nest above an expansive canyon, which if I wasn't so worried about abandoning my uh, rockraphone project uh, and being eaten alive, I'd think, well, this is a lovely canyon. I wonder who made this. All right, probably Gar, the god of rocks, and his giant rock splitter. He who gave us all the rocks. We praise Gar and his many rocks. It's a world of rocks. That's what it is. But then I'd just be sitting there as a terrific screech uh, uh, tears across the heavens uh, and uh, this mighty predator flaps his wings and takes off, uh, leaving me there amongst a group of uh, quivering eggs roughly the same size as myself. And I think, well, I'd have right proper omelet station if I could get those eggs out of this nest. And no sooner am I uh, thinking about salamander scrambles than one of the eggs splits apart and then another and the other. And I'm surrounded by many versions of my captor raptor. And I think, oh boy, August toast. But then one of them nuzzles into my side, and I realize his gray eyes probably mean that he's blind, the poor little fella. And when he once wanders too close to the edge of the nest, I'm the one who pulls him back. And that, from that moment on, I, I move from foodstuff to brother. I am one of them, and the mother leaves me alone, and I am happy. I am at peace. The world is different. The opportunity is strange. I wonder why have I been given this chance. But as I do, I feel a forked tongue glide around my doughy middle, and I'm being tugged into the gaping maw of a mega-constrictor. Why is everything so large, I wonder? I want to make boxes for these things and try to keep them small, a reasonable size. I reach out of the nest, uh, out to the nest wall, right, and I pluck a sharpened vine, and I manage to stab the slithering invader in his right eye, and he doesn't scream so much as tighten his grasp on me as I fall back into him, and he cascades down from the nest in the cliff wall onto the rocks below. I can't stress this enough. There are a lot of rocks, and as I fall, my blood turns to a boiling dar like the kind the hairy elephants play in, and as my own eyesight fades from the pain of venom and stabbing teeth, my spine collapses onto itself. I, I remember the punchline of a joke I once heard about a mega-penguin that walks into a drinking hole. I don't know. What does he look like? And it's funny, because all penguins, even mega-penguins, the ones that stood as tall as men, they all look alike, so how could anyone possibly describe? And that's it. I'm pulled deeper into the belly of the snake, as he strikes the ground with a massive thud. Dazed, he wriggles and rights himself and heads towards his hole beneath a mangrove root, and as he does, the me-shape in his midsection bumps violently against the entrance to the hole, but the snake contorts his stomach muscle, and I slip deeper into his bowels, and the beast vanishes into the darkness below the earth. But people say I'd love to go back in time or have a visitor come out. You know, come come, come back from the past. I just had that with Jenny. <laughs> I expect people think, you know, somebody like uh, Amelia Earhart or something. I'd like to see her. That'd be something, wouldn't it? You're doing a show, doing a live podcast. Oh, who's this? It's Amelia Earhart. Just comes out on stage during this show. I thought you were a lot. She'd just be a bag of bones at this point. Still, that you know, it'd be something. It would be something. you get some listeners to that. I would rather see my ex-wife than a walking corpse of Amelia Earhart. <laughs> I think many divorcees have had the same thought. Zombies. People are crazy for these zombies, the undead. 
Okay, that's a kind of cautionary time travel of its own, right? If you could bring something, uh, someone back, if you could visit with a loved one once more, see how they're doing, I'll tell you, not well. They died. And this is a rotting body. There you go, sitting in the, neck, in the table with you, right? You want to have a drink or something? It's, it's, it's disgusting. I don't like to have people see me in sweatpants, let alone undead pants. They have all these zombie pictures, and nobody complains about the smell. You get on a subway car with even one zombie, you're going to know. You're going to know. Somebody gets on with a cheeseburger, you can smell it. Or that one fella at the end takes off his shoe. No thanks. Zombies are not stealthy in any way. They should pose no threat. Easiest thing in the world to defeat. If I'm fortunate enough, uh, uh, though, to be thawed out in the future, I hope they're able to uh, you know, really key up my self-esteem. That'd be great. So I'm already going to be anxious about what I'm wearing. Does this jumpsuit make me look, you know, chubby? That I'd love to have whatever genetic manipulation is required in my host body to rid it of insecurities like that. That's one thing I do admire about the, the zombie. They don't have a lot of that. You know, they're not very self-aware about how they're looking. They can't be. My goodness. There was a man on my flight <clears throat> who was very comfortable in his skin, and that's what he was wearing, a variety of skins. Now, I spoke with a friend of this program, Ophira Eisenberg, a fellow comedian and host of NPR's Ask Me Another, who is also, she's out there at Sketchfest, and uh, we, we had a great time. We, we just got to giggling the way that we do. You had to get any kind of comedians together. We'll just, we'll just have a giggle fit, you know, just make each other laugh. And we were talking about just some of the outfits out there in the city by the bay. And I think the, the weather uh, and the finding yourself and the sort of endless reinvention that sometimes, you know, a scarf gets added where it need not be, shorts are worn, facial hair is uh, uh, just unfortunate. Things become mismatched in a casual uh, yet expensive yet also kind of hippie way. And the, like we work for tech, but I live in the mission. And I can't believe how much it's changed, even though I pay $4,000 a month for rent because I can. But, oh, it sucks when people get displaced. But also, ooh, crime and mental illness. What I'm saying, sometimes, uh, uh, San Francisco, you lack the strategic practicality that comes from living in a place like, say, New York. You're not about that sturdy commute uh, pair of shoes and the black gloves and the black coat and the black hat. Pop a color scarf, maybe. But you tend toward the more eclectic, like this fella who was on my flight. Now, obviously, if you've listened this far, you know I'm a champion of fantasy wear. I am. Uh, this, this fella, though, he was dressed as some kind of Elfling from a distant land where small people live in grassy huts and tree people talk and there are definitely dragons guarding giant caves full of gold and mm, he had white hair, right? So he should have known better. He's of a certain age and it's uh, the hair is just rising uh, from the center of his forehead in a little tuft like uh, uh, like a little bit of white smoke coming out of the Vatican chimney just rising there and he had a Lincoln Amish beard as if he just freed the slaves and started a quilt very strange little beard and a vest over a tank top so no sleeves for this guy and I like vests but this was made of overlapping squares of actual animal hides what animal, you might ask? Again, we have to assume dragon. Or mayhaps an agrocatton. The latter, of course, a ferret-like nocturnal creature that dwells in the icy pools outside of a diamond cave near Winterfell and survives on a diet of only coffee beans. 
and he was wearing jodhpurs, not unlike an undead Amelia Earhart, by the way, and uh, these cute little shoes, no doubt fabricated by an enchanted cobbler imprisoned in a tower. Be practical, SF, is what I'm saying. That's what I hope you get out of this. I love you. You do what you want on Hate Street. It's a little disgusting down there anyhow. Do your worst. But when you get back to a place of refinement, such as the majestic in, uh, surroundings of LaGuardia, you got to be on point. Galoshes are not the enemy, you understand. Well, it's almost Valentine's Day. No plans so far, though I'm open in case any of you want to swipe me or set me on fire, whatever those online apps do to single people. If nothing pans out, I'll once again heat up some Trader Joe's chicken and cheese tamales and mash them into a heart shape and then defiantly eat them while sinking into my couch as I watch the final episode of The Comeback again and again and weep at its honest portrayal of a Hollywood system I will never have access to. I'm really looking forward to uh, Valentine's Day. Of course, at the office is always a great uh, spot. Over at the cubbies that come flyer with me, it's mostly women there. I often call it the hen house. <laughs> I do, and I walk through there, a ribald, cockiness team of hens. And look, they don't have a lot going on. But many of them have suitors, and probably some of them, I imagine, buy candy for themselves. Uh, but as I know well, there's only so many cherry cordials one can eat in a sitting. So they bring it in, whatever's left, and they always have a healthy stack of heart-shaped boxes and Whitman samplers piled high near the hot plate. So I get plenty of V-Day treats all to myself. And speaking of treats, I gather the ghost of Bob Ross is still hanging out at the Eureka Theater if you ever want to catch up with him. He was our DJ at this Sketchfest evening. I think he might also start interning at an advertising firm. So best of luck to our friendly little PBS ghost. Now, there are some photos that we put up online of the big night. Sadly, being a ghost, Bob doesn't show up in any of them. But you can see the photos of me and Ginny and my guest, and you can see the picture of me cracking up at something Ginny let slide. And my thanks to Cecilia Cacciatore for taking the photos and for having such a fun last name. Anyhow, Valentine's Day, you know, I hope you have something special planned, uh, something that, unless you're really into role play, does not involve getting captured by a giant prehistoric snake or driving a space car into a subway pole, but instead is full of velvety tails textures and low lighting and sweet things to pop in your mouth or the mouth of someone you're close to. I advise against co-workers. It just doesn't work out. That feels good on February 14th, but not great the morning of February 15th. Whatever you do, don't overdo it. Protect yourself and your heart. Be strong. Look always forward and maybe to the side. One mustn't neglect one's peripheral vision and enjoy loving yourself first of all. Now, if you're among the lucky who do find love, remember that most relationships are hard work and maybe more than you're looking for at the moment. But regardless of your Facebook relationship status, I hope you'll bring yourself down to the People's Improv Theater, The Pit, on Tuesday, February 24th at 8 p.m. for another live show of Dale Radio. My guests are going to be the terrific comedian Matteo Lane, talented performer, comedian Caitlin Bailey, space prince and comic to watch Julio Torres, and a great singer-songwriter whose music is perfect for breakups or even pre-breakups. Just staring out the window, Carriad Harmon. She's great. They're all great. I'm excited to talk to all of them, and I'm excited to get back to live shows in New York City. Tickets are $10. Totally worth it. Uh, so come on out for that. Uh, we'll have... Uh, 
Just the live shows monthly through May of this year, and then I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. So if you've always wanted to come and see me do it live, well, these are your chances. And I can't stress enough, it would be great to see you. It really would. And, ah, uh, oh, yes, here we go. On February 11th at 11 p.m., that makes it easy to remember. I think this thing is sold out, So, uh, but try. It's at the UCB in Chelsea, the mothership location, and I'll be sitting in and sharing some hot new business ideas on the program. I love being on this. Whenever I come over, we have a great time. Running late with Scott Rogowski, and uh, I'll be rubbing elbows with uh, the guest there, Kevin Nealon from Saturday Night Live, and I believe he's on the Weeds program, and uh, I gather he, he's a heck of a poker player, so we'll see what happens. And uh, Jerry Springer, former uh, mayor of Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe he did some other things, too. But uh, it will be a great time, so so do try and, try and get tickets, because those, uh, those shows are a lot of fun. And uh, that's late, 11 o'clock. I better check that. Oh, that's what, that's what it is. Oh. I'm going to have to sleep in the day the day before. I'm going to rest up for this. You understand, performing takes a lot out of a person. You have to be, I have to be, you know, on point for this kind of a thing. Huh. Well, that'll do it for me. Thank you for listening. Till next time, I'll be carving my own messages onto tiny candy hearts and stuffing them into an empty whiskey bottle and throwing that bottle into the Gowanus to see if my true love responds. Now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is produced and performed by James Bewley, musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season 7 podcast theme composed and performed by Emily Danger. Season 7 podcast icon done by illustrator Louis Chin. Logo treatment by Daniel Spencer. Posters for Season 7 are by Annie Carbo and Claire Prouse, among others. You can listen to Dale Radio on DaleRadio.com or iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or on SoundCloud. And if you do visit us on any of those platforms, be sure and rate and review us, won't you? Yeah, you can follow Dale on Twitter. Hey, that's me, at Dell Radio, or you can visit us on Instagram, Facebook, wherever fine podcasters are found. Thank you for listening. You're the best.